Are the concepts of self-care and mental health biblical? Does the Bible make any mention of such things? Well, stay tuned for this next episode of Keith Crosby, Out of My Mind. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Keith Crosby, Out of My Mind. This is Podcast 050, Podcast 50, and today we want to have a biblical conversation about the crazy world in which we live, using the Bible to make sense of it all. So join us over the next 20 minutes or so as we provide you a bird's eye view perspective of some complex issue confronting the culture, our church, or you as we do look into the lens of scripture to make sense of it all. At the end of the podcast, we'll point you to additional resources for further study just in case you'd like to dig a little bit deeper. In the meantime, let's get started. All right, yeah, I think this is going to be an interesting topic because I think you know much has been made uh, over the past few months, especially of mental health and self-care and some of that due to um, everything that's gone on with the COVID-19 lockdowns and just people being uh, shut in their houses and those things. And then more recently, uh, like we've discussed before, these uh, elite athletes that um, have pulled out of competitions in order to make sure that they're uh, taking care of themselves. And so uh, I guess it does really beg the question, is there any biblical underlying foundation to these things and and really what does the bible ultimately have to say about our mental health and our self-care well first the bible has something to say about every inch of thread that makes up the thread of our existence so it speaks into every aspect of the human condition and human life and is self-care biblical is mental health biblical are these concepts biblical yes they are they are biblical mental health now is a secular term for what we call as Christians spiritual health. And it all comes down to care of the soul. The word psychology comes from two words, suke and logos. And suke means the soul. Psychology is the study and care of the soul. And it, there, it, there are parallels here. There are connections here. Because soul care is self-care. It's both an act of stewardship and an act of worship. And when you think about it, if you look into the Bible, even in Genesis, Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, God sets apart a day of rest. He sets apart a day. He makes it holy. It's the seventh day. And the fourth commandment, the Ten Commandments, early on in Scripture, from the book of beginnings in Genesis and later on in the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20, we have a call to Sabbath. And the word Sabbath there means rest. And in Exodus 20, verse 8 through 11, it says this, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Verse 9, six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh is a Sabbath day to the Lord your God. The seventh is a rest day to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested, uh, the better word would be abstained, on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath and made it holy. Now let me tell you what's going on here. God has set aside a day to pause, a day to just cease, to be still certainly and know that he is God, but a day to rest the body, mind, soul, spirit, to rest the whole person. And don't make any mistake, it certainly is about setting aside a day to the Lord to reflect upon Him, to worship Him, to think about your relationship with Him. 
But as Jesus explained later in Mark 2.27, there is more to it than even that. And in Mark 2.27, Jesus reminded the Pharisees who were getting all over his disciples for apparently doing work on the Sabbath. He makes this statement, and it is not to be missed. He says, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And what's that mean? It means basically that the Sabbath is for our well-being. It is a day of worship. Worship is good for us. Worship is necessary for us. But that Sabbath rest was made for man. And you saw it in the the Ten Commandments. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a day of rest to the Lord your God. Our bodies and minds, our souls, need ongoing care and preventive maintenance just like your automobile. God built self-care into the human condition. And so think of it like preventive maintenance on your car. All right, cars. That's definitely something that I uh, I can understand, maybe almost better than I understand what goes on in my brain and and, and some of those things. Yeah, well, think of us as like high-tech jet fighters or supercomputers. The reality is, is that we are durable yet breakable. God has made us very complex. Our systems need maintenance, care. Our minds and our bodies need rest. And as stewards of what God has entrusted to us, we are to take care of ourselves, and that involves and that includes self-care. But today's culture until recently was more about just running yourself ragged. You know, people game all night long. They wear down their bodies and minds. They don't get sleep. Uh, People do things, extreme sports, extreme this, extreme that. And people, you hear about workaholics, and people press and press and press and press and press until they throw a sprocket or something breaks physically, mentally, or spiritually. And then you've got the COVID thing, putting millions of people in what is something akin to solitary confinement. Now, If you think about prison, when they really want to punish somebody for misbehaving, what do they do? They lock them down all by themselves, and it's not good for them because they begin to obsess and focus on their own kinds of things, and they become hopeless. That gets into mental health, and they begin to break down physically and mentally. And, you know, we talk about mental health, but your mind isn't an organ. Your brain is the organ. Your brain is like a, a heart or a lung. It does things, but you are your mind. You are your conscience. The brain is sort of the interface between your body and your soul. And when you mess with that equation, when you break it, bad things happen. I want you to think about it today. We live in an era where people work and strive and struggle all the time. Uh, The global tech industry has people answering emails day and night, all hours, with other people all around the world, and our fallen, broken human bodies aren't meant to operate like this. They can't, and so rest is essential. Our body affects our mind. You know, you've heard me say it before, right thinking leads to right attitude, actions, words, and deeds. And your actions affect the way you think, And the way you think affects your actions. Let me just kind of digress here and talk about REM sleep. That's that rapid eye movement sleep where the body lays almost paralyzed. That is a time of rest. It's a deep form of sleep that God has built into us where our bodies and our minds reset and heal. That's where brain repair takes place. And believe it or not, your brain soaks up about 25% of the energy used in the body. 
And your brain is a very unique organ because it's an organ, yes, but it's an interface to the soul. An interface to the soul. That's a, that's a very interesting idea that our brain is really the thing that's interfacing with our soul. So why don't you talk about this a little bit? Well, it's like this. We're spiritual creatures, and, and our conscience and our ethics and our morals and our prayers really don't come from an appendix or a lung or a heart. Uh, they come from the conscience. They come from the soul. They come from our spirit. But the brain seems to be, uh, neurologists seem to think, the brain is this interface between the moral, the spiritual, and the physical. Well, if you mistreat that interface by abusing the body, by depriving it of sleep, by obsessing over the wrong things, uh, lack of exercise, uh, lack of sleep, uh, bad nutrition, it affects both the body and the brain. Our minds affect our bodies. You know, how you think and how you react to things triggers your intricate system, your adrenals, your pituitary gland. And you hear about drug addicts and you hear about people with obsessive compulsive disorders. And there's always, it always triggers activity in the brain, which affects the way we think and reason. That affects the soul. And so we need to have this program of self-care, of soul care, of ongoing spiritual and physical maintenance. And that's why God has given us the Sabbath. It is a systematic, scheduled, it's not reactionary, it's not last minute, it's not every five years, it's not every four years, it's weekly. You have to remember, you know, we've talked about this before in other podcasts, you can cram for an exam, uh, you can cram for a quiz, but you cannot cram for life. In the same way, you cannot cram for wellness. And often we see athletes in the NFL who push their bodies to the point that they break. There's this whole discipline called sports medicine and sports psychology and that tells them that their consultants that consult athletic uh, people, uh, professional athletes, they tell them what and what not to do, but what happens is they ignore that advice. Well, that's sort of like, that's a secular version of ignoring the advice of the Bible, the operating manual for the human condition. And so the Sabbath was given to mankind, to humanity. Yes, to set aside a day for the Lord, but to set aside a day to recharge, to relax, and to rest. To think about life, to think about priorities, and to govern your existence accordingly. It is about feeding the soul, about renewing the mind, about resting the whole person every seven days with intentionality, systematically. I really like that uh, that analogy that you have with the sports and um, you know how they have these uh, these sports psychologists and these people who are are telling these athletes, you know, here's how you need to rest your body. I look at um, I've been watching a lot of baseball lately, and uh, there's a, one of the best teams in the Major League Baseball. They have such a regimented schedule of rest for their players, and they're doing phenomenal. These players are having the best years of their careers because they've they've brought in a new system and they have this regimented rest time where they rest every you know three days on one day off and that's it I, it doesn't matter if we're going to lose the game on that one day for those three days you're going to be at your best and and they're they are the best team in baseball right now my favorite team the san francisco giants um <clears throat> but really putting all these analogies together 
it seems like not doing self-care, real self-care, which is um, soul care, kind of is how you described it, is really, you know, just throwing out that user's manual and saying, you know what, I don't need to change the oil in my car. I don't need to, um, I don't need to listen to the instruction manual because I know what's best. And, and just like your car, you know, you don't change the oil in that car. Eventually that car is going to seize up and it's just going to be worthless. That engine's going to be ruined. Everything about that car is going to make it worthless. That's right. We have designer specifications, right? That's what the Bible is. It gives us designer specifications from God for how we live our lives and how we operate. And God cares about the whole person, and so should we. It is an act of stewardship. It is an act of uh, worship. It's an act of maintenance. And, and today, what happens often is people ignore this need. I mean, you watch a hockey game, they're constantly substituting people so they don't burn people out. Or a basketball game, nobody, almost nobody plays the whole game. They pull people in and out. Baseball, they have rotations for all their pitchers and everything. And that's the way we are to be. We're to be disciplined. This, it's the world imitating the Bible. And what happens often is we ignore that and we get into reactionary maintenance. We only fix things when they break or are about to break down. And just like you said, an oil change, you don't change that oil filter and that oil, and eventually that engine seizes up or, the, or gets scarred or scored, as they call it. It doesn't run properly, and eventually there's a crash, there's a breakdown. And that's what we're seeing in our culture right now. And this is very damaging because what happens is an elite athlete or someone else will push themselves and push themselves and push themselves, and then at the most inopportune times, they take some sort of reactionary uh, measure, which not only affects their performance and their well-being, but also the well-being of others, and they set themselves up for real harm as well as their community. And the other thing we have to be careful of is the way that we talk about these things. Uh, you know, a lot of times somebody says they have, when they have a cold, they call it the flu, or someone has a sinus headache, and they call it a migraine. Or someone is feeling anxious or sad, and they call it a, a, an anxiety disorder or depression. And the, the little things like this, the, the cold, the sinus headache, sadness, or a little bit of anxiety, these are everyday occurrences in life. Like a job interview makes us anxious, or we get nervous before we meet our boyfriend or girlfriend's parents. But when we are depressed, that's a whole different story. We might lose a loved one to cancer and feel sad, and that can lead to depression, but it's not depression. And what's happening in our culture right now is we're mixing all these ideas together. Sadness is a natural result of a fallen world. Anxiety is a natural response to our circumstances or to uncertainty, but they are not a nervous breakdown or a nervous collapse, and they are not clinical depression. And to kind of show the difference on the, in the resource page, I'll put the symptoms for depression down on our resource page under the National Institutes of Mental Health and their Diagnostic Statistical Manual of the uh, American Psycholo Psychological Association, text revisions four and five. When you look at these quantifiable symptoms, you see that mental health is a big deal and that mental health crises are a big deal. But what we have to avoid is taking our mental health for granted, ignoring self-care, and making big errors in the care of our souls but we also have to be careful not to cry wolf either. And, it, and that's where this cultural 
thing comes in, we're redefining terms and words, and that's unfortunate because ultimately we cannot insulate ourselves from hardship. God uses that to build character. It's how we grow spiritually. It's how muscles grow, right? But make no mistake, having said all that, we must not overlook persistent signs of mental illness and write them off as the occasional trials of life. That's equally foolish and equally ill-advised. Uh, mental illness is a persistent condition that is aggravated over time. It has certain symptoms, and that's why I would point you to the resource page of the DSM-4 and 5 of the American Psychological Association. There are hard, quantifiable uh, symptoms that you can spot. Having said all that, that's where our routine, regimented self-care comes in. It's an intentional systematic activity. It's a biblical recipe to care for the mind and the soul and the body. Yeah, exactly. And I think the problem comes in when we generalize these type of things. And so can you provide us a New Testament example, some concrete examples of where this kind of um, regimented self-care comes in? I sure can. Uh, Jesus regularly and routinely withdrew to pray and to recharge. What's more, he made his disciples to do the same. It wasn't done haphazardly. It wasn't done rarely, as often happens today. It was regular, systematic self-care, soul care. But people today, and we're seeing it in the culture more and more, don't do this. They wait and wait and wait, and then they crash, and they break down, and they begin making poor decisions at minimum. All right, how about some examples for that? Well, sleep deprivation makes us irrational. If we lose enough sleep, we can even begin to hallucinate, and we can go from neurosis to psychosis. We can go crazy, for lack of a better, more clinical term. But at minimum, if you don't get enough sleep, you get grumpy, and you can begin to burn out. And burnout can drive a person to a mental collapse. It can ruin careers. It can ruin relationships. Okay, so I guess the, the biggest question for us now as we start to wrap up is, what do we do with this? What, do we, what are we as Christians to do in light of self-care and all of these mental health things? Well, number one, we need to take them seriously. We need to take good care of ourselves, of our souls, and one another. Secondly, we need to think about the Sabbath, right? We need to make time to program time uh, to care for our souls. The secular parallel might be, even when they use the word sabbatical, it still refers to the Sabbath, right? There needs to be a weekly programmed period of Sabbath rest for the believer, and even the unbeliever needs to take time out and use a regular designated day to recharge his or her body. And, And that includes making time for God. Part of the whole Sabbath rest is a spiritual discipline. Think about this. If you're taking time out for prayer, for the study of God's Word, and meditating on what you read, you are feeding your mind and your soul with Scripture. You're reprogramming the way that you think about life and stress and pressure and hardship and tragedy. And so you're feeding your mind. You're renewing your mind, right? That's what it talks about, right? Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And it leads you to right thinking, right attitudes about life and situations and circumstances and actions. And that involves the soul, its conscience, and the whole body. Yeah, thanks, Keith. Uh, I think it 
bears mentioning before we close out our podcast that if anybody is struggling with mental health, um, if you're, you're struggling in any way, reach out to somebody. We have a counseling ministry here at Hillside Church uh, that you are more than welcome to reach out to. And I think that it's just so important as we talk about self-care and mental health that sometimes you just need somebody to talk with you and, and walk you through this. This isn't a center where we give you a Bible verse and we send you on your way. Um, we do want to help you uh, walk through some of those things. That's right, Mark, and I'm glad you put it that way. We don't say, here's three Bible verses and call us in the morning. What we try to do is to help you to make, to, to get your arms around whatever struggle you're facing. We have people who have, who have been through some training here, and, uh, and we're, we're, it, it's a free ministry. I mean, you can spend a couple of hundred dollars an hour with a paid counselor, or for us, it's a ministry, both to our people and to those who need help. You can find that on our resource page as well. I'll put a link there, but we, we very much care about you, our listener, uh, our brother and sister in Christ. We care about the community, and we have this ministry for people at our church, but also for others outside our church. Well, that's it for today. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like additional resources, go to www.gracetoliveradio.org and hit the resource button. If you have questions, we'd love to hear from you. You can email me at keith at hillside.org. If you'd like to learn more about Hillside Church, visit www.hillside.org forward slash services. Join us for worship on Sunday morning at 8, 9, 30, and 11. We have uh, a young adult service on Monday night. We have student ministries on Wednesday night. We're having a night of comedy, August the 28th. Come to our website, check it out, and come see us and come laugh with us. In the meantime, whatever podcast platform you're on, give us a good rating, share us with your friends, leave comments that moves us up in the algorithms because we want to reach a wider audience with equipping them to face the struggles and slings and arrows that this life throws at them and to make sense of their existence through the lens of Scripture. This is Keith Crosby with Mark Stickler saying, God bless you and God keep you.